Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. Okay, three, two, one, and we're live. Yes, uh, welcome back, guys. We're coming to you live straight out of Rudderford at Trenton's workshop, which is a complete fucking shambles. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dog show yeah but it's it's, it's not <coughs> it's not a bad dog show it's just there's so much new equipment in here mm. that uh, everything's got to find places still yeah yeah i i didn't anticipate how intense this move was going to be and um i only realized how much bigger my granddad's workshop is the mine when when I actually brought all the machines here and I'm like Jesus Christ he got a bike two cars a trailer and the and the rest of his machinery of which there are many yeah. into this one fucking place that's crazy because I mean just where we're sitting now we've got the metal the one metal aid behind us yes the one the motorbikes to the right of Trenton yeah then there's the big disc sander yeah. which is new. Yes. Then there's the one drill press over there. There's the one here behind me. There's mm. the bench grinder. There's the wood lathe at the back. Behind it on the ground is another metal lathe. The laptop is sitting on top of a... Just talk toward the, the yeah. mic. Sorry, guys. I'm going <laughs> to... The, the there's a table saw here that the laptop's sitting on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just fucking crazy. That's not to mention all the fucking toolboxes that came with it. Yeah. With some genuinely nice tools. Yeah, like yeah. real old school, classy, well-made tools. And, you know, we, we really had no idea what my granddad actually had and how, like, when I knew him as a kid, he was still active crafting things and so on, but I had no interest in it at that point. Yeah. I, I just had no appreciation for learning about, you know, my dad would talk to me about working with lathes and things like that because he's done it in the past yeah. as well. And I just never had an interest in it because it was always bushcraft for me. That was the way I was going to go. Yeah. And and as much as I do like that sort of thing, integrating into knife making, you develop a newfound appreciation for this sort of stuff. Yeah, you do. And you you see the value in having these things and being able to make beautiful things because you have the right machinery to do that. I'm yeah. saying you can't make them if you if you don't have the machinery. It's just makes it makes it easier. it easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean having a metal lathe. Okay, it's not the biggest of lathes, but it is you can do a lot of precision work on this lathe. Um, it's 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 about the same size, if not a little bit longer than Jack's, I think. Yeah, I think your your bed is a bit longer, but bit it's longer. about the same same size uh, Yeah. And it's a it's an Emco. I, I don't know a whole bunch about the company except that they're made in Austria. Um, but I'm just very privileged. And I mean that other combination machine you got with the saw and the bandsaw mm. and the lathe. And yeah, that's the Emco style. Yeah, that's I also... met a guy the other day who came in here and he said, "I've got one of those machines, and they flip and just." Mm, they are. So that's pretty. Pretty sweet, but having yeah. the metal aid means uh, Trenton can now start pumping out stilettos. Like <laughs> That's Nielsen and all those guys <laughs> thing. Like I'm not, I don't want to jump on anybody's bandwagon. I might make one just just for kicks, but <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to jump on anybody's bandwagon. There's nothing yeah. wrong in doing it, but like you know, yeah. 
I want to find my own style. I like the Jeffrey so much. I want to make a couple of those mm. <laughs> in the next foreseeable future. I want to yeah, make so a couple of those. I managed to this week that's gone. Uh, I forged out the Jeffrey and I've profiled it. So now we need to draw pinholes in the handle. Yeah. And do the rough grind um, and then play it and heat treat it. Yeah. So I brought it through to show Trenton today. Stunning blade. It's just. It's it looks. A, it looks mean. Yeah, but that's why we're calling it the Jeffrey. Yeah, because who would be afraid of a Jeffrey? For sure. So what we've been talking about the Jeffrey is we're going to be raffling it off, um, and we decided on fifty rond South African rond per ticket, and we're going to yeah. have one hundred and fifty tickets. I think we said one hundred and fifty tickets at fifty rand each. Yeah. yeah, and I think, I think for the 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 type of knife that it is. Mm. I think that that's, I think it gives a lot more people chance to win mm. and also just to keep updated with what it is that we're doing and, and other competitions that may come up in the future as well, you know. Yeah, so we're probably going to start this week um, selling the tickets now that the blade is, is sort of started. Um, and the idea is to try and get them all sold by the end of Brooklyn that we can maybe do the draw there. That would be incredible. Yeah. That would be incredible. So if the guys are interested, um, we'll post some stuff on, on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever for it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. I've, I've never done anything like this. So uh, in terms of, I've done giveaways, mm -hmm. but I've never done like a raffle. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to need some guidance from people who know a little bit more about this stuff than I do. But yeah. um, it shouldn't be too difficult. Yeah, I was thinking of doing... Uh, three sheets of 50 because to get you know those little numbers that they use for uh, what's that thing I'll be uh, bingo bingo yeah. yeah you can get those numbers and then we have three sheets so we draw a sheet a b or c and then we draw a number simple or we put up a, a, a throwing board and then we throw the Jeffrey at it and which number we pin like pin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I went to make <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's just too a bit too fucking yeah I'm not no, that's, the that's a bit too crazy so yeah so, the plan is once an night's finished which will be done before Brooklyn we're mm. going to give it to Sean Nunes to, to make the sheets for it he does incredible work yeah he does uh, there's, my, a, there's another chick though Felicity something Mac in the Mara. Cape yeah, she's in the Cape she's incredible yeah she makes she, she's stunning she does amazing work yeah really stunning work yeah, but Sean does all my sheets. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've got a few knives I've got to take to. Yeah, project. not to take anything away from Sean. He does. He's got a, a beautiful style about him as well, mm. and he's very dynamic. But um, she's also very impressive for sure. Yeah, she is. Um, um, I think there's a few guys in the Cape who use it. Why wouldn't they? You know. Did you put sugar in, boss? No, I didn't. Sorry, bro. That's all right. I'll drink it like it is. Uh, sugar. Yeah. You're sweet enough. Yeah. No, I'm a better Boston. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to a, 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 an African family. They, mm. We went over to their place and they were family friends of ours. And I said, uh, she says to me, how do you take your coffee? So I said to her, black, bitter and strong. Like I like my woman like that. And she's <laughs> like, ah, boss. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Mm. 
Yeah, so that's the Jeffrey. That's for the Brooklyn Live Show. We're not going to talk much about the Brooklyn Live Show because I think we've punted it. Enough. We've punted it, and, and we're still going to be punting it. Don't, mm. don't get us wrong. I mean, we mm. it benefits everybody at mm. the Brooklyn Live Show to to promote it as much as we can, and we have mm. we have done that, and we're going to be punting it a bit more. But yeah, as Tim says, we we want to talk about other things, and um, I think we've both we've both been active enough mm. on the platform to. To keep Niels happy with our with our homework. homework. No, speaking and, of which, we still uh, got to do that homework. Right? Yeah, yeah, we still got to do that. But yeah, we want to talk about some other things as well. Yeah, you know, while we were talking, I had an had an idea, but I think it fucking escaped me with my marbles. Ish, ish. That's um, amazing. Oh yeah, mm. I got my website up and going again. Excellent. Excellent. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be posting on my website in my blog section a little bit about podcast, about the different episodes and things. Yeah. So that there's another point of contact. Point of contact for the guys to find the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think our, our audience is, is growing slowly, mm. um, but we haven't really been doing much serious marketing. I think the, the Jeffrey yeah. is the first serious marketing drive we're doing. Sure. Um, we need to put a few more posts on, on our Instagram account. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Like, mm. we need to get on that game a lot more mm. and schedule posts and, and get more serious about that because mm. I think a lot of people would enjoy the kind of conversation and the, the, the conversation dynamic that mm. we have and, and the interviews that we, we're wanting to do with mm. different makers. I think a lot of people are going to find that interesting, yeah. find it very informative and just be a little bit more educated about the craft that is knife making. And I mean, uh, yesterday I went through to Rian Munset's three-legged dog to go get belts and stuff. So I bought Trenton some belts. That was today, wasn't it? No, I went through, no, I went through yesterday. Oh, you went through yesterday? Yeah, I went through yesterday off the end. So I got some belts for myself and some more sandpaper to do hand sanding to destroy our souls. And <laughs> um, then... Somehow, a piece of beautiful burl ended up in my shopping basket as well. Yes. So that that one I'm planning a bowie for Brooklyn, with that piece of burl. I like that burl. Yeah. I like that burl. It's it's got some, it's got some interesting colours. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, a Sean Brewer's mm. Sean Sean Brewer. Yeah. He's awesome. He's mm. got some beautiful pieces. I just hate him because every time he shows stuff, I'm like shit. I can't afford that right now, but I really want it. And then I end up making a plan, and then I'm like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But as Jack says, you can't make nice, stu- nice stuff unless you have nice stuff. Yeah. And that is the truth. And yeah, I think a knife maker, especially guys starting out in the beginning, mm-hmm. should, as they see good bills, start buying them. Don't yeah. just fuck them up. Don't just use them. Mm. Like, save them for when you have the skill set to use them. Mm. But then you've got them. Then you mm. don't have to go and fucking look. Because yeah. Murphy's Law, when you go and look for something very specific that you're looking for, yeah. you can't fucking find it. It was like when we were at Garth, um, when we took your machine in, he mm. showed us that integral knife that he had made, mm. um, that he made with Kevin Harvey. Mm. And Kevin asked him, what wood are you going to use on it? Yeah. And he said, oh, I was thinking this. And he said, wait, I'll be back. Because yeah. Garth was busy programming all the, all the, um, all the, all the VFDs, VFDs yeah. for um, Kevin mm. and... Kevin came back about half an hour later and he said, yeah, I found the perfect piece. He bought it like years ago. Mm. Um, he just hadn't found a knife for it yet. And he, when he saw the knife that Garth is where he says, this is the piece of wood yeah. 
because it matches the pattern in the Damascus yes. and everything, yes. so it, it flows nicely. And, and, it, and it's such an important part of knife making, is mm. not only to make a functional tool, but to make something that looks beautiful at the same mm. time and balances and complements each other. And you, know, you know, it's like it's like art in a way, mm. and I don't know too much about art, but I've grown up with my dad mm. being an artist and mm. how things complement each other mm. in the entire piece. You don't want to have anything distracting Mm. Uh, from the rest of the the beautiful display of the scenery mm. or the mm. or the background or whatever, like depending on what your central piece is, mm. you want that to be the main focus, but you mm. don't want anything distracting from that. Mm. You want everything complementing and bringing it all together. And a lot of times, the handle will sell the knife, as Michelle yeah. said. It's um, true. The handle will sell the knife because I the, the knife, the knife, if the knife's. Yeah. If the blade is beautiful and everything, but the handle doesn't match the blade, you won't sell it. Debatable, but I think mm. you've got less chance of selling it. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Okay. But it's it's the overall putting everything together. Of yeah. course. Of course it is that. Mm. But like as you say, you can have a reasonably beautiful blade and it's mm. clean, it's cleanly mm. finished, whether that's mm. with a satin finish or a mirror finish or a an etched mm. blade with a hamon or whatever it is, that's cool if it's done well. Mm. But if your handle doesn't match that, it starts well, now they, becoming a, a very unique person who wants that type of piece. You know, and, and if the handle is very bland or plain, mm. uh, it, it's a little bit more difficult. It sure. doesn't stand out on your table. I mean, I had a, at the one Brooklyn knife show I was at, I had a, a small chef's knife that I made and it had a beautiful mm. piece of, um, curly uh, sneezewood yeah. on the handle. Yeah. Man, and this one guy came back and looked at it. And he came back and looked at it. And in between, everybody was, that knife was like almost the center of attention and eventually he came back and he bought that knife. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, of, that must be a good feeling though. Yeah, it is. It's a great feeling. But I think having a, having a showstopper on your table helps that um, <coughs> it may not be in a person's price range or the type of knife they're looking for. Yeah. But it stops, gets them to stop at your table. Yes. And it's, yes. it's better than hitting them with a bat to stop them at your table. Sure. Because generally then they're not buying anything. And the paperwork on that is just complicated. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have something on your table that stops people and gets a conversation started, it makes it easier to, to Absolutely. get a sale again. Absolutely. And even if you don't get Especially, a sale, you, yeah. you might get... Uh, Someone will give you the information. You can start a, a, yeah. a, on a mailing list or whatever. Yeah. And at a later stage, they'll come and buy something from you. They always will. Mm. Um, I think at some point, mm. you know, um, obviously some people move away and then shipping becomes mm. a problem and, and, and stuff like that. But like, by and large, I mean, I've, I've received so much business from people who have been watching and supporting me throughout the years. Mm. And I've received a lot of business while starting this venture of knife making. I've received a lot of business from them, which I'm very grateful for. <clears throat> but now it's starting to reach out overseas and things <clears throat> like that. So it's getting a little bit more complicated in terms of what materials you can use um, and still send overseas, you know, and and the price change and all of that stuff. So I'm losing my fucking mother. What are you looking for? I'm looking for my cigarettes. For cigarettes? Oh, I think I'm going to roll one too. But, um, but you know, you said something about simplicity earlier, and I want to, I want to, I want to say something about that. Like, like with everything, you've mm. got a 
you've got a, either a fine balance between the two or you have a, a, a specific preference toward one of those two. Um, Am I really? Dude, looking? you're distracting me big time here. What are you looking for? I'm this? looking for my fucking cigarettes. Yeah, roll one, bro. Jeepers. Um, where are the cigarettes? Just hold on. You keep the people entertained so long. So one time on Bad Camp. <laughs> that's a movie that Trenton hasn't seen. I still haven't seen it, bro. It's got to be here. Somewhere. Dude. Oh, I fuck. Never mind. Got it. I got it. Jeepers. What the fuck, over? Sorry, we are so distracting. Fucking squirrels and everything. There's a filter for you. Thank you, sir. There's a filter. So, so what I was saying, thank you. So what simplicity. I was saying is simplicity, right? Now, it's not. Some people look at simplicity as like a, like a, almost in a negative way. Mm. But everything can be taken in a negative and a positive way. It's just how you see things. Yeah. But there is a, a sort of unspoken beauty about simplicity in many forms. I you mean, know, if you look at at the simplicity that we see in, in how Mother Nature does things, it seems mm. effortless and just mm. it just happens and it rolls over. That's beautiful. I mean, and uh, if you look at it like... Okay, I've got a background in, in weapons and stuff, but um, I, there's a gun designer I know, and we went to um, Shrivenham yeah. to the Defense Academy for a symposium. Yeah. And they've got an armory there with freaking every single type, the filters in your mouth. No, 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 no. I'm looking for this uh, KwaZulu Natal hash. Okay. That's some good shit. But um, they've got this armory there with fully functional weapons from. Uh, anything you can think about, they have it. And even stuff they don't have, they have it. If you know what I mean. Okay. But um, what was nice about that is going through it with a guy who knows all those weapons and showing you the simplicity, how the simpler things mm. work better. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all good in having a nice, high-precision, fancy thing. Um, but if it becomes a ball ache to look after and to yeah. operate, then what's the point? But I mean, if you look at an M16 that the Americans use or M4. Look, I don't know shit about guns. Just but it's a, it's, a, it's a precision rifle. Okay. Okay. But with having a precision rifle, yes, you have better accuracy and things. But when it, it becomes a little bit more tricky to maintain. But if it's maintained, it works. Mm. I mean, if you look at an AK-47, that one... Uh, man, you can take a part from anywhere in the world and put it into a gun and into a different one and it'll work. Um, their tolerances are just looser, but it's got a very simple way of working. Yeah. Um, and it's reliable and, and it's, it's measurable. And no, look, you're not going to shoot yeah. sub or small grouping at like 200 meters with yeah, it. But sure. It's not a high an, precision instrument. It's an it? assault rifle. I yeah. mean, most of the time, you're not even aiming when you shoot with a thing. Okay. Look. You, you're heading off into into a very deep area that I actually have no expertise in. I mean, I've, I've shot rifles and things, but... That's but, about your limit of but, experience. But that's about my limits of experience. I'm not going to pretend to be a pro just so that I don't look shit. No. I, I, I understand that guns are extremely complex and, and but, all of that, but... But at I'm, the same time, yeah. you know, that's one type of thing. But sometimes having something that is much simpler... Mm. is going to give you 
there's it's more pleasing to the eye if that makes sense. Sure. Um, it's not. Yeah. Because you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to overpower your brain with mm. thinking about something. Mm. Smoke the sulfur, ne? Mm. So good. Um, but you don't want to overcomplicate something. Um, and it takes. It yeah. actually takes a lot of careful thinking to actually make something simply, or to make something something simple. It does because, especially as humans, we mm. we tend to want to overbuild and overengineer things and make things more complex than they need to be. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say in the entirety of this mm. discussion, really. Mm. Is that if you apply simplicity in a, a pleasing way, but a mm. practical way at the same time, is mm. something beautiful about that. Mm. When you, as a a person who uses knives regularly, yeah. can see already just in the shape of of how mm. the knife is put together, handle wise, mm. in terms of ergonomics, in terms of where you're going to get hot spots if you use a knife in mm. a certain way, like those dynamics I spoke mm. to you about with the the chest Ooh. lever yeah. um, cut mm. and the knee lever cuts and all mm. these different dynamic cuts that you can do with a knife, mm. if it's intended for that purpose and it looks good and it's got the simplicity mm. behind it in terms of proved and uh, tried and proved shapes that work with the human hand. Yeah. And what I mean by that is being able to turn the knife inwards, so like mm. 90 degrees from a hammer grip mm. to to which I mean depends whether you're left-handed or right-handed mm. but you basically cut the you you the direction of the cutting part of the blade mm. is now in line with, with your, knuckle. your knuckles yeah now this is very difficult to explain to people who are not watching but it is a very very powerful movement mm. if you go and look up a, a YouTube video on uh, dynamic knife movements done by, uh, I think Jamie Burley did one and mm. Dave Cansbury has definitely done one. Mm. And he shows all these different cutting techniques for bushcrafting slash survival. Mm. Being dynamic with a knife out in the field. And how to cut safe. different things, how to be safe with it, how to have power and control at the same time. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people say don't cut towards yourself. You actually can cut towards yourself. I'm not saying you should do it. If you know how to do it, you can do it. Mm. So there's certain things that you become more uh, cognizant, uh, uh, sort of more cognizant of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and I mean, that is part of what I'm trying to say is it's, it's part of the simplicity mm. and at the same time, the functionality that is beautiful. Like a, and it's classic and it's old school and it works. Like for, for, for carving and stuff like that, a sloid or a, a, what's that Russian knife, the Yakuta or whatever, with a hollow in the back. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I know which one you're talking about, but I didn't know it was called the Yakuta. I think it's a Yakuta or okay. But it's a, it's got a, you get a left hand and a right hand version actually because it's yeah. got a single bevel. Oh. It's like the Japanese yes. uh, kitchen knife. Yes, yes, yes. But it's, it's so it's such a simple knife. It's and simple and it fucking works. Mm. And this is the point here: is that don't try like try new things for mm. sure. Test them for yourselves. But yeah. but before doing the testing, maybe talk to somebody who's maybe done it and said, "You look, look, it's not my preference, or 
I say no because of A, B, and C, and I've yeah. experienced it. And then you have to ask yourself the question, has this guy done bushcraft or is mm. he just shit at bushcraft mm. and he's done it once and now he's going to tell you how a bushcrafting knife should work. Mm. So, and I'm not trying to be cocky about this or anything. I mean, take whatever knowledge you can get, but you mm. also have to be questionable of where you're getting your information from, mm. like with anything. So if you can see the guy knows what he's doing, he's got a good rep, then go with his opinion on that matter. But still, you might want to try for yourself. And that's okay too. And it also helps speaking to different makers. Like oh. I really enjoy speaking to Stuart because, you know, he's been making knives for such a long time. But he knows he doesn't need to do drawings for knives because he knows what a bowie must look like. He and knows it's a very unique skill that. Mm. But it's because he's been doing it so long. Yeah, and the thing is, Stuart's knives are, are I would say they they are simple type of knife. It's it's simple in its looks, but it's mm. it's put together in such an elegant way mm. that it just comes together in such a simplistic way that it mm. just looks stunning. Yeah, it's 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 maybe simpler techniques, but it's done perfectly. Yes. Um, and 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 I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's maybe simpler techniques. I would say that He's made enough of them and he says, this is what works. Mm. This is what looks good. Mm. And this is how I've gone through this process to make it simple to make for me. Mm. If you had to ask a guy like me to make a Puko or mm. a, a Bowie like he builds, mm. I, w I, would, I would pull it off, but not to the degree that he pulls mm. off. It would, it would probably look like a shocking mess. And that's, that's why I think Stuart specializes in... Only a few types of knives because th those are knives he likes making. He likes making, I, I, yeah. He likes making pukos. He likes making bowies, and then the heelless hunters that he's making that he he learned the forging technique from Lin Ray. Yeah, well, that's cool. Though. And and it's a it's a simple hunting knife. Yeah. Or I'd say you call it simple, but it's still it's a beautiful knife. I mean, he makes some beautiful Damascus ones. And also his choice of, of handle materials and the shapes of his handles are just, you know, they just, when you pick up the knife, you know, this, this knife is made to work with. You know what? They, look, this is the way I see it. When I look at, um, and, and this is coming from my bushcraft side of things. Mm. When I see Stuart's knives, I see beauty, but at the same time, even more beautiful than the actual beauty of the knife is pure practicality. Mm. And it is practical. His Pukos are incredibly practical. That is a mm. Scandinavian knife that I learned a lot about during mm. bushcraft. And I've always wanted one. Mm. And I'm going to have to make one one of these days. Yeah. But uh, I think I need, I need Stuart's help with that one. Yeah. But he makes incredibly practical looking pukos yeah and i think a guy like that if he were to go into the spoon carving side of things mm. and i'm not saying carve spoons i was i was more like implying making things like but it also depends if there's a market for that in south africa yeah. whether you do that or not but if you could make a big crook knife those those big two-handed yeah. ones and there's a different name for it but that big crook knife that you've yeah. got leverage and you can mm. Like, if you were to make those, bro, I, I could sell those things. If mm. I were to make them, I could mm. sell those things so easy. Yeah, and I think the reason Stuart doesn't make stuff, because it's not, it's not his 
it's yeah. not his vibe, and that's yeah. fine. That's fine. But and I'm just saying that he's the kind of guy who could pull it off, pull, pull bushcrafting tools off mm. in a way that I don't think a lot of other people can. Mm. But you, you talk about the practicality that are some of his bowies aren't very practical. I mean, because he, he tends to make. <laughs> yeah, let me let me let me say this. I'm talking specifically. I love all his knives, yeah. but I'm talking specifically about the pukos. Yeah, but he, he, he makes some beautiful big bowies, eh? He does for sure. I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm just mm. saying from the practicality sense mm. of bushcraft. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Is he makes incredibly beautiful and at the same time practical knives that work you if you want to see another guy in south africa who makes very nice bucos is um i think it's vincent french because he's yeah he's down in in the I've, southern cape i've heard of him yeah uh, he makes some beautiful bucos as well okay um I've, with the I've traditional his work so i would, I would love yeah, to with, see with it. it he's i'd say they're on a pole virtually with stewards but he, his handle shapes are slightly different yeah, but he which does, comes down to your individual individuality yeah, his, in your designing. Which his, is awesome. his style, mm. it's still a puka blade, but his yeah. style is slightly different to Stuart's, yeah. but it still falls in the, the general puka category sure. of, of Scandinavian sure, art. Sure. And he also makes the traditional um, puka yeah. sheaths. Yeah. But uh, what, I don't know if you've seen some of, what, seen in visual and held one of Stuart's pukas with a wooden sheath. No. Those are just stunning. The, the the knife slips in the whole he- the whole sheath yeah. is wood. I've I've the last time I held some of uh, yeah. Stuart's knives and and Mister Philip Dunn actually yeah. shout out to Philip Dunn as well yeah. um, was at Vaughan Ball's place. Okay, and and we went into his place and there were just custom knives all over the show and I was like holy shit. Mm. And I'd seen one of the knives that, that Stuart was working on at mm. one point, and I saw it was there, and I was like, holy shit, dude, I didn't know you bought this knife. <laughs> and it's incredible to mm. see other craftsmen and, and looking at their work, and now mm. that you understand more as a knife maker, yeah. you look at their work, and you're like, wow, that's incredible. Mm. Um, and, and you can sort of understand the procedures that they went through to get to this yeah, final if you, point. If you followed the bold process, yeah. Stuart puts a lot of pro- he does, yeah. uh, uh, in-progress shots mm. of the stuff on, and you actually then see the finished product, you say, wow, okay, I see where you was going. And that's so satisfying. Mm. It's so satisfying. You can see another man's, like you can respect, like a craftsman can look at a custom knife and you're already dead. Mm. Like this is hundreds of years mm. okay and another knife maker happens to come across across mm. your knife mm. like that's something to think about you mm. you want that guy to look at your knife and say holy shit this guy this mm. motherfucker knew what he was doing yeah. he knew the game yeah right you don't want him to look at your knife and be like eh yeah this is obviously an early trends and standard knife but still you know, early trends and standard knife is going to have value when you're dead sure sure but you st- like for me, the thing is, I want to do, and and this goes without saying, and I think everybody feels this way, is that I want to do the best that I can. Mm. And and somebody said it the other day, and it and it made me think it's a good way of looking at it. Mm. I Was can't it remember. Goth? I can't remember who said it. Wasn't it Goth? That you want to compete with yourself ten years from now. Was no, that- I think I said it, but I heard it from. Um, was it Matthew McConaughey? When he did his okay, it was when, it he, him. when he did his, his speech for for when he won the Oscar or something. He's a cool guy. Um, he said they asked him, "Well, who's your inspiration?" He said, "His inspiration is him in ten years' time." Mm. 
You know, that's what it was. Yes, yes, yes. You told because, me this. Yeah. yeah, because if you want to follow, okay, it's all right following other knife makers, but your inspiration should be you in 10 years' time. Yeah. You want to know where you want to be yeah. or further than that point. Yeah, sure. And, and I suppose if that works for you in mm. terms of the way you think, then sure, it's a good idea. There's nothing wrong with looking at other people's progress and mm. saying, I'm inspired by that. Mm. But a lot of people also take the attitude either jokingly or or depress, but depressively, mm. if you want to put it that way. Negatively. What? Negatively. Negatively. There yeah. we go. Not depressively. My God. What the fuck? English. I'm high, guys. Just by the way. Some, some Natal hash. Pure hash. Beautiful stuff. Um, but anyway, so... What was I saying? <coughs> uh, <laughs> you want to following other people's progress. Yeah. You want to you want to use it as inspiration, but you mm. mustn't be negative. Mm. It's like mm. everybody's on their That's own what path, I was saying. Yeah. yeah, and and everybody learns things at different yeah. speeds. Absolutely. And I mean, like someone like me or Trenton, who's got the time to put in more hours, we're always going to progress a bit faster than someone who can only maybe do it. Three or four times a month. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I, I stopped even, even that being said, okay, mm. even that being said, I I was speaking to, and, and this is no flex for me, this has got nothing to do with any sort of egotistical comments, but what I'm trying to say here is I was speaking to a guy on Instagram, uh, I think it was uh, Wolf River Forge. Mm. Yeah. I was talking to him, also makes really, really cool knives, incredible knives. And if I'm not mistaken, it was him, I might be mistaken, but if it's not, if I'm not mistaken, he said that he learns everything by himself. And he said, if I had the opportunity that you have right now, learning from a mentor who actually knows what they're doing, mm. he said, I would have been a lot further than I am mm. right now. I think it was him who said that. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, so he was saying to me, you, you're just in a stunning, stunning, stunning uh, place mm. where you know so many knife mm. makers and you've got a mentor who's been doing it for a very long time and is very good at it. So mm. that's that's the other thing. You know, if, also, you, if, you, if you're only learning from yourself, mm. then of course it's going to take you more time. But it also depends on how hard you work. Mm. and how often you do it and how dedicated you are. But it also depends, you, you, the speed of your learning can increase mm. if you go to somebody on a regular basis, you make some sort of arrangement with them, mm. hey, I'll clean your fucking shop up every day after you've taught me these things and I help you out during the day. Mm. And I do that for free because I want the skill, mm. which is my arrangement with Jack. Mm. Right now, yes, he does do things for me that make up for that. He he treats my blades and things like that. All of these things are very helpful to me, but I make up for it in what I do for him twice a week. And the thing is, you shouldn't let the fact that you have to learn by yourself be a hurdle or a, a, a wall that you can't get past. It's not a wall. No, it it means you're going to take more time, but yes. the the quicker you get. To it, mm. the quicker you're going to learn, and then at a later stage, if you if a budget is a concern, you can save up and then go and do a course with Kevin and Heather Harvey. That's still on my bucket list, dude. I want to do it with you for sure. <clears throat> just to rephrase it, careful now, because just now that's what she said. That's what I, 
<laughs> I, boss, I'm not even thinking like that right now. Like, I'm in such a good place. So, um, yeah, I would say to to guys who who are learning by themselves, like a uh, young guy that, I, that I've been speaking to recently, uh, his name's Zander. Yeah, I'll be following and, him as uh, well. Yeah, and, and the kid is, is focused. He's mm. only got a fucking angle grinder. Right, mm. and he's making fucking knives, and I'm like, hats off to you, dude. And and I said to him the other day, you know, he was he was saying, um, what if I use this steel like from there or whatever mm. to make a knife? Because he's made a few knives where the, it hasn't actually been hardenable, hardenable mm-hmm. steel. And I'm like, dude, there's nothing wrong with that because you're still learning mm. how. I I, I don't mm. think there's anything necessarily wrong with that mm. as long as you don't think that that's okay to mm. do professionally. No, no, it's not. So, <clears throat> but I mean, if you, he just, sorry, just let me uh, finish mm. the story here. So he, um, I said to him the other day, if you want to make knives, cause now he's getting a few orders. Mm. So I said to him, dude, if you want to make knives, you can't fuck around with mm. dodgy steel. You believe mm. it's hardenable. Mm. No, you go, steel's not that fucking expensive. No, 5160 is cheap. Dude, 5160 is cheap. Even if you wanted to go like, 1085, it's not that expensive, mm. bro. Even if you want to, but you don't have to go expensive with, mm. with your first batch of knives. You really don't. Mm. People start thinking, what's the best steel? Oh, shit, that's expensive. And then, uh, but 5160 is a great option. Very forgiving steel, I believe. Yeah, it's, 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 it's you can, you it's can, a very good steel. It's a, it's a good steel for a, for a general purpose, not yeah. for like a chopper or a, a, a hunter or, yeah. It's hardenable. You can you can harden it even if you're blind, deaf, blindfolded in the dark in a soundproof room with two bats in your ears. You Jesus. can harden it. That's how easy it is to harden. Um, once you got the basics of that, and I mean, the whole you know the steel is only one part of the knife. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, it's it's whether you use fifty one sixty oh one ten eighty five stainless steel, vegan steel, whatever. And, and it's only the material. Yeah. The, the process of making it you is still the same. Yeah. You spend more on abrasives, in my opinion, than you do on steel. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, for sure. So yeah. so the, the point here is that young guy like that, he's starting mm. out, and I'm helping him where I can. Mm. And I said to him, look, the best thing to do is talk to Jack about the steel. Mm. He spoke to Jack. Mm. Okay. And... Uh, and then he, he phoned me up the other day and he's like, how's it going? What's happening? And he said, dude, I've got an order for seven knives. I mm. bought proper steel mm. and I've, I've bought some handle material. Mm. That's what I like to hear. Mm. That You know, there's no good any knife maker spending their time to give people advice, which most knife makers do not mind doing. Mm. But if you don't take the advice, then they're like, you're wasting my time. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying anybody's wasting my time. I'm just like, that's what I like is that when somebody talks mm. and they actually back, back the fuck up what they're saying. Mm. And it's nice to see people that are progressing. It's like you told them, okay, get the right steel, get some, buy some proper animal material. And now that, because if you're going to sell a product, your, your name is on that product. Yeah. So if you sell something that's out of a dodgy leaf spring and you take, you say that it's 5160, um, you're actually bullshitting the customer. Yeah. If you say to them, look, it's reclaimed spring steel from a leaf spring, yeah. then they know what it is. Yeah. But yeah. you must realize if something goes wrong with that knife, 
you know, your name's on it. Um, and once it's out there, it's out there. Eh? Look, I, th- I think, I think there's, especially for like guys who are starting brand, brands, banking, new made, maybe they're really struggling. So they're trying to make knives within reason mm-hmm. to, but the question starts becoming, okay, are you going to take this as a business? Right. So you're going to take it as a business, get 50% deposit, tell them what you're going to charge that pays for your materials, right? Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you don't have a belt grinder or any of these nice machines that knife makers generally have, but you can maybe go to a mate's place, pay him something to go and do the job, get all of those things done. Mm. You can get by with selling lower grade stuff in the beginning, mm. but I would say it's better to say, listen, this is what I'm going to charge you according mm. to my skill set right now mm. and according to what the materials to make a good knife are going to cost me. I'd, I expect 50% deposit and then mm. 50 on a finalization of the, pro, uh, of the product or satisfactory, a satisfactory mm. completion. Mm. Right. So then, then your materials paid for, right? Mm. Then you've actually got, and if you heat treats it right and you temper it right and you make it right mm. within reason of your skill sets at that mm. point, then that's your first order. Now, mm. now, now you've got more money. Now you can maybe invest in saving for a belt grinder mm. and some belts. Now you've got a belt grinder. Now you can pr- progress on that. And there's nothing wrong in taking scrap steel and practicing grinding. Mm. I mean, Neil's this, that, that is the, the uh, hardened files, old mm. fucked up hardened files. You don't even have to use steel because, I mean, Neil's. Yeah, look, I mean, Jack, Jack, Jack argued that with me. Yeah, I, look, I understand Jack's point, but Neil's, what he did is he went to. Um, Fix that lighter. Mm. He went to um, Etienne from Prosona and he's got this, this fire with it's all offcuts of wild olive and stuff that he can't get handle material or uh, wood out for sale that he sells his firewood and Niels <clears throat> when he was teaching the people because it's easy on the belts just to get the the bevel you know the basics of the grinding before they do it on steel you give them a piece of wild olive and they would do it okay just just to get the feel of it because they on it they on a timed course so sure. it's a one-day course sure. and what his kids would do is they would take all those little pieces, all those knives that were like half done in the belt sander, and they used to go and finish them. And because it's wild olive, it's food safe. They would then, when his dad, when Niels went to a market or something, they'd go and sell um, these wooden knives as bread knives or butter knives out of wild olive because there's some nice wood in it. And that's how they made their pocket money. Fantastic, hey. I love that. That's so smart. Mm. That's so smart. No, they, and they would sell more knives than their dad, obviously, because they're selling the <laughs> <laughs> But that's and so the awesome. Input, the input costs were nothing because, yeah. I mean, their dad mm. was paying for the belts. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's clever kids right mm. there. Yeah, well, they're they, kind of, they're going to be business entrepreneurs for mm. sure, like, or or manage companies because their dad is so good at business already. Niels is a, Niels is a fucking giant. Yeah, he's a genius. He's a fucking giant. Yeah, we're reading your autopsy again. He just knows how to fucking get the game. Mm. He knows, bro. Like, Mm. dude, he wouldn't be where he he was. He he was telling people on Instagram the other day in his story to unfollow him. 
I was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? And then I realized he doesn't give a fuck. Mm. He's, he really doesn't like obviously he cares mm. for sure and, yeah, and mm. he does a lot of things for the mm. knife making community and he helps mm. a lot of people for sure he does give a fuck to a degree but what is that noise i'm hearing a whistle crazy anyway so so the point is he's just a genius when it comes to business like he just knows how to play the game mm. he's on top of shit and he makes he makes points so so evidently simplistic, mm. but you hadn't thought of it like that before. Mm. And he makes it so evidently simplistic, and and like basically, what the fuck are you thinking, mm. dude? Do it like this, and then you're like, oh, well, fuck, yes. It's okay. the same as when I talked to him about raffling uh, the Jeffrey off. Mm. He's like, why do you want to do a raffle? Mm. There, no. Why do you want to? The only reason you do a raffle is so that you can uh, get information to increase the size of your audience. Yes, and that's why we're doing the raffle. The and, which, and ultimately, mm. to 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 be able to interact with more people as well, mm. because we want to get people that we can interview who mm. come from fuck. You you do glass blowing or mm. or fucking bushcraft, knife making, uh, bow making, mm. um, all these things, right? Yeah. We want to talk about that. If you yeah. carve spoons, we want to talk about that. This mm. is a very open hearth cast. That's mm. what we do. We talk about all sorts of things. So we want to enlarge upon our audience in order to get more interesting people to be part of a mm. community of craftsmen and bushcrafters and like-minded people. And it's 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 like Joe Rogan said. It's mastering the form of long, con- uh, long format conversation. Long format conversation. I w- I was listening to that, and I thought that is a very interesting way of looking at it. Because one of the guys, one of Joe's friends, when he, when Joe started the podcast, mm. he said to him, "You need to edit your shit." And he's like, "Why?" And he's like, "No, you trust me. You need to edit your shit. Like it's too long. People, nobody's got time for that." Mm. And he's like. Dude, no, I disagree with you. Mm. Joe says, I disagree with you. Mm. And he says, and now he's got his own podcast, this mm. other guy, and he's doing the exact same thing that, yeah. that Joe started doing. Yeah. Long conversations. Yeah. And he was saying there's a lot of room for that because people are used to these structured, formatted videos mm. where it's all scripted and shit, mm. and then you listen to somebody and then you applaud afterwards. Like, fucking mm. great point, cool. Yeah. But you don't actually get to know the person and get to understand the entire discussion of what's mm. going on. And that's why I like interacting with people on this level because you get your thoughts across to another person in a very conversational manner and it's and it's thought-provoking and the thing is as well there's no set format so we might start talking about bukos but we might end up talking about mysteries of egypt or whatever who knows dude i was watching a video last night bro Mm -hmm. on egypt oh Oh, my word what was it i felt like was it Graham Hanks? And I was high at the same time. Mm-hmm. So the possibilities just felt endless. <laughs> like anything's possible when you're high. Like anything. <laughs> Somebody tells me there's a there's a fucking unicorn knocking at the door. I'll be like, I'm there. I'm there. I'll be there now. But the thing is, I was watching this video. Mm. And they were like, the pyramids have, they've, they've been some sort of, 
maybe questionable. Um, I don't know. I don't know much about this, but there was there was some sort of proof that these tunnels went way under the mm. pyramids of Giza, and they were talking about how this thing could possibly have been some sort of an an ancient power source. Mm. It could be. Dude, and, and what they had to say was very compelling. Look, I'm not going to be able to, to... I haven't got all the information in front of me. I'm not you even going to... You capacity to compare. Dude, I don't. I don't. Like, what they had to say and based mm -hmm. on an experiment that another guy had done who, interestingly enough, made this thing that very much worked on the same principle as Egypt, mm. uh, the, the, the Egyptian pyramids, or how they theorized that it actually worked. Mm. And this guy also had interest in the pyramids, had, had spoken about them in the past. And then he invented this thing, which I can't remember what happened to, but like basically the world could plug into an unlimited power source. Mm. Now, I don't know enough to say that if that's plausible or not, but what I am saying is what they had to say sounded very compelling. It, it sounded possible, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. So, what do you think about that? Do you think that's possible? Anything is possible, because uh, it's, it's like I said the other day, um, what we know now, mm. in 100 years, might not be even true anymore. Well, that's the thing, dude. I mean, all, this, all, the, all these discussions about... <laughs> And I know it's crazy, like it sounds crazy, but but I mean it's it's the the thing that I'm trying to say is yeah, like there've been discussions that I've listened to about simulation, mm. and look, that's a rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. Like if you really want to discuss it, and personally, I I feel that experience as we know it is very real. Mm. I I don't I don't think that it is it's possible for sure. Mm. But I don't think I don't think it's probable. Yeah, That's at what the I'm moment, like I think where we are now, I, I think we're living in a reality. Mm. But there's nothing to say with the advancements in technology and Neuralink and virtual reality and all that other type of shit. Um, in twenty or thirty or fifty years' time, that we won't be living in a simulation. Well, well, we're already kind of integrating into that now, aren't mm. we? Like with with um, these. Things that you put on your face. Yeah, those virtual reality. Virtual reality consoles or whatever it's called. Mm. Those things. Like, what happens when you plug into the Matrix and mm. you you live and time slows down? So you live there like, like 70 years and that's mm. six months here. Yeah. You know, like, it's crazy. Like, mm. the, Joe Rogan was discussing some guy who took uh, DMT or psilocybin or some, some mm. sort of drug. Hallucinogenic. Some sort of hallucinogenic. And in his experience, or it could have been mushrooms, which is psilocybin, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah psilocybin. Um, and he lived an entirely different life, different friends, different family, mm. an entirely different life for like, I think it was three months or something. Yeah. And, and that probably only lasted, I don't know how long that lasted for him in reality. Mm. But 
he he was super confused when he got up and everything mm-hmm. and he was and he was like not violent but he was like get the fuck away from me like to all these people that knew him yeah because he's been living this alternate life yeah. in an, in a dub, another place like mm. so what i think is going on if i want to explain like if you had to say that everything that i know is wrong mm. what do you, i think the next next possibility is i think there are definitely what we call altered states of consciousness mm. i think that's like there's different yeah different levels of consciousness that we can detect different things mm. for sure because i mean we only see light in a very narrow spectrum if mm. you look at electromagnetic waves mm. i mean we only see from red to violet uh, there's still so yeah. much more yeah um, i mean if, if you look at different creatures who have d- different abilities to detect mm. different things that we aren't we aren't able to detect mm. but like it's the way bees see versus the way we see is yeah is, is completely it's different. highly different yeah and it's crazy well we don't have to go look for nectar do we, we but it's crazy dude like this there's, there's <laughs> it like flowers that haven't been pollinated recently mm. give off this massive like bright white or 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 like it illuminates itself so much to the bee that the bee understands I'm going to get a lot from this flower. Mm. And that sends off a, the plant is begging for attention. Mm. And it sends off this this absolute attraction for this mm. bee. And this bee comes seem- in and 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 fertilizes the flower. The nature nature mother nature is mm. definitely intelligent and conscious. Mm. Like we think of ourselves as being outside of nature. Mm. observing nature. Mm. You need to change your entire mindset to mm. be one with nature. And I know that mm. sounds extremely hippy and maybe that's what it is, but like we are part of this world. There is nothing that yes, there there are things that separate us from animals for sure. <clears throat> but but we are a product of nature. It, it's interesting you say that because I was watching a uh, conversation where they had different panel experts um, talking about uh, psychedelics, mm. and they were talking about research they did with psilocybin on um, cancer patients to relieve depression, and they had a psychiatrist, a clinical psychiatrist, a, a woman who specialized in um, in uh, child psychology, which is a very different thing because children see things completely different to us in terms of their the way their brains work but if they send these kids on a trip no they didn't send kids on a trip but <laughs> she was just one of the panel experts I was like what the fuck this had a, a a guy who specializes in neurology so he looks at the brain and the way the brain operates the, bra- the neurons firing and things okay. like that and then they had a guy who's done a lot of work with the shamans from I don't know if it's Peru or one of those South American countries. Um, and he's been with them when they go on these ayahuasca trips and things like that. But they asked him at the end, what is what is the message he wants to send out from these, these shamans? And they say that we are losing our connection to the consciousness of nature. That's extremely interesting. So their belief is that the nature that surrounds us, be it the trees, the birds, the insects, or whatever, they have, they have a consciousness that we're losing connection with it. And if you go back to when we were still hunter-gatherers, we were still connected to Mother Nature. 
Absolutely. We understood it far better then than what we do now. Absolutely. We are so far removed from that. Mm. And something, something else I wanted to say is like, okay, this is extremely controversial. I don't want to offend anybody listening to this podcast. I want to offend everybody. Okay, personally, I don't. I, I feel that I'm very diplomatic and I, I have religious beliefs for sure. Okay. And, and that is, that is my belief. But mm. I, I like to contemplate different ideas. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that what anybody says is wrong or what anybody says is right. I just want to be clear about that. I know we also have some, some very, very religious uh, knife makers within the community. And I want to uh, be clear that I respect that. Mm. I, I, do I mean, not... we, we are all entitled to our own belief. It yeah. doesn't make you, you're wrong if, you, if your beliefs are different. Yeah. I, um, I just don't want to come across saying that whatever anybody believes is wrong. Mm. Um, I don't want to come across like that because I believe Christianity mm. has a lot of good in it. Mm. There is some bad, yes, mm. but there is a lot of good in it in, mm. in a whole. And you get a lot of good people who are very religious as well. Mm. So I just want to be clear about that, that I respect that. And maybe I'm overemphasizing it a little bit right now. But anyway, the point is here that Joe Rogan had explained that there was this guy who came on his podcast and, and said something about, you know, you were talking about consciousness and how mm. how uh, um, ayahuasca mm. uh, affects uh, all these shamans say that we're losing our connectivity to the earth, yeah. right? And um, what he was talking about, what Joe Rogan was saying, is that they could break down religion. Mm -hmm. This guy could break down religion because of its Sumerian beliefs. It, mm -hmm. It's grounded in Sumerian belief is what they're mm -hmm. saying. I'm not saying that's necessarily true, but this mm -hmm. is what the guy was saying. And he was saying that many of the Sumerian stories are in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And the Sumerian stories predate the Bible. That's a fact. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, stories from the Bible that are in the Quran. Mm. Uh, I mean, Jordan Peterson is. Before you carry on, yeah. to enjoy your smoke and take a few pulls. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peterson, I'm busy watching a series, a lecture series of his, where he's talking about the Bible. Mm. And it's not to say the Bible is wrong, but it could be that when two different tribes join together. They combine their beliefs, which we know is true and from then, from the past because of mm. so many pagan belief mm. systems entering mm. into the Christian religion. We know mm. that for a fact. And and the thing is, when you get splits in tribes, then the religion sort of splits. Yeah. Uh, and what it is is it, it's a a belief structure based on on history or a story that's being told. Yeah. And. Um, the the Chinese uh, Taoists mm. or Taoists mm. um, they talk about the way which they, which refers to God and nature and everything and and what they said I still think holds very true to any religion in that if you can write it down on a piece of paper or you can tell it in a story or you can paint it in a picture it is still not the whole story. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's only a part of it. You could never fully describe. You can't. No. You, if Because it mm. has to do with the emotions that you were feeling at that mm. time, the way you were looking at the world. Yeah. And 
the context in which the thing was said. Mm. So all of those things, yeah, they can be explained in a story, but mm. it's very difficult to express face-to-face human emotion mm. in a story. Yeah, you can't because it's... You, you can there. to a degree if you're retelling the story, but it's only to a degree. Yeah. And it's, 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 the, it's the old thing of the broken telephone, you know, you, as the story gets told, so it changes slightly and sometimes... And translation... Translations massively to do with that. Yeah, massively to do with that. There've been so many. Um, I don't want to talk out of term. I remember a few things from the past, but I, I I can't remember all the facts about them, so I'd rather not say anything. But there's definitely a misreading of the the interpreted scripture because mm. of the translation. There is big problems with that, and I think a lot of it had to do with who was in control at the time. Mm. And I mean, if you look at it, history is written by the victors. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. so in a in a sense, um, it is still a story, so to say. But it's not to say that it's not true. It's not to say that it's not true. I've noticed that a lot of it is. I think but a lot the, of it is, but it's it's. I don't think I don't believe what you read is the whole truth because yeah. you could never put it all in there. I get you, I get you, I get you. But anyway, what they were saying here, that what Joe was saying here is that the, the beliefs that came along with the Sumerian, uh, parts of, uh, parts of their sort of religion, I guess, is all in the Bible. Now the, the, Mm -hmm. the, the, um, what is it? Sumerian. Did mm-hmm. I say? Yeah. The Sumerian beliefs, all the, all of that predates the Bible, right? Mm. And what they were saying is they might have used stories and parables and, and, and all sorts of things to hide this ritual that they viewed as very sacred in Roman times because mm. they didn't want these pagans to understand about what they were, what they were doing, what mm. they were practicing. I'm not mm. sure how different paganism or pagans are. Mm. to um, shamanic beliefs. I'm not sure. And I'm not even sure when mm. uh, pagan belief systems started or p- whatever you call them. I don't know like all mm. the correct terminology for this. If I'm talking out of term here, please do excuse me. But anyway, they were, they were saying that they could break the name Jesus down to an old Sumerian word, mm. which referred to this mushroom that they used in their beliefs. It could be. And they believed that this, that, that when it would rain, that it was basically God's come on the earth. And they didn't view come as a bad thing. Like mm. we, we've disgusted it nowadays yeah. due to pornography and things like that. But mm. they, they didn't view that as a bad thing. It meant reproductivity and it was the seed. And, and it was the seed. Mm. So they, this mushroom, these mushrooms that come up almost instantly, we, we observe it all the mm. time. mushrooms weren't there the previous day it rains the next day they're there Mm. they grow incredibly fast so this this mushroom which they would inevitably have experimented with Mm. um that was what the thought was there i'm not Mm. saying that's true i'm just Mm. saying that's what they were talking about the possibility is that it's it is true i mean and they they have depictions in their art Mm. of mushrooms People dancing inside of mushrooms, I believe, is one of theirs. Yeah. And um, I mean, uh, that guy that he, uh, Joe Rogan had on with, with Graham Hancock, that young guy, mm. um, he talked about it where they had researched, where they had found these um, 
crucibles or, or things that were yeah. used in religious ceremonies yes. that they found traces of hallucinogenics in. THC, I believe, was one of them. And there was DMT and psilocybin as well. Because on, okay. drawn on the thing was mm. mushrooms. Yeah. And, and the way we understand wine now is completely different to the mm. way wine was in those days. I mean, wine was was had a lot of herbal things mixed in mm. it. Mm. And it was, it was it was used as an application of or or to make medicine more palatable, I believe, mm. in Greek times at least. Yeah, and uh, we've discussed it before, but I think it was in the, Paul's letters that he said they yeah. warned the people not to use this type of thing the wrong way because you could kill people. Yes, yes. Um, there was there was some discussion about that as well. Yeah, I can't remember all the details, but it was very fascinating. Yeah, but. I mean, the, the, the point of the matter is here that I don't think people must close their mind off to mm. to things like cannabis and things like that because of the 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 sort of... Social connotation to it. Yeah, the, the social connotation, but that's all stuff that's been fed to us mm. by social media and things like that. Or by so, the media. So, I mean, when, when they banned marijuana or cannabis or whatever... It was just after the prohibition ended in America. Yeah. And the prohibition. They, the prohibition on alcohol. When, yeah, they, they, they stopped selling alcohol for a couple of years. It was a good couple. That's when yeah, the, I think it was, was about the, 13 years, wasn't it? It was the birth of the mafia. Shit. And all the organized crime. And then when the prohibition ended, then they needed another thing to go after. And they made up this whole story on some guy who went on a psychopathic rage and they said, no, he was on, on marijuana or cannabis or whatever. And it was completely unfounded. But yet it's been ingrained into society that it's, it's bad and it can yeah. cause psychosis. Look, some people it won't work with. It's like any medication. Um, but you don't we, feel anything. It doesn't do that much for me. Edibles I enjoy. Um, yeah. But smoking it really doesn't do much. But it, it's different now. As When I was a student, then it had a, a completely different effect. So I don't know. It Maybe you just fucked yourself up. Yeah, it's, you know, the years of... of <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the thing about mm. weed is you want to respect it for sure. And, mm. and that's with anything. Like, mm. if you're looking at psilocybin for a medicine or, mm. or DMT as a medicine for whatever applications it has, mm. whether it's stress-related or... You know, we know cannabis mm. has uh, positively affected people health-wise mm. uh, when it comes to arthritis, when it comes to seizures, uh, comes epileptic to Parkinson's, seizures, Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease, things mm. like that. It's it's been, as far as I understand, it's been proven. It's a proven mm. fact. But but, it's, but it's, now we need to acknowledge the fact that CBD, yes, it's a medicine. Mm. But what is wrong with somebody taking it in another form? Maybe mm. that helps them cope. And yes, we know smoking it is not the best option. Obviously, mm. that's not great for your lungs. Mm. But whether it comes to edibles or if mm. somebody chooses to smoke, you know, we've got a, a much better relationship with people who smoke. If I were to ask somebody who smoke, hey, do you do drugs? He'd be like, no. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but you do. Mm. Nicotine is a drug. Alcohol is a drug. Alcohol is a drug. Sugar is a drug. Sugar is a drug. Mm. I heard a study about sugar being potentially more uh, addictive than cocaine. It is. It is. Okay. Because so our, our reptilian brain is dumb. It wants the easiest way to get the dopamine hit. Right. 
Right. So right. that's why. Which social... is why you feel like shit after the the high. Yeah, when you crash. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the problem with social media is that it's it's feeding your brain all these dopamine hits. Oh, I got a yeah. like. I got yeah. a like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That when you don't get it, you become addicted to social media. So I'm absolutely. And that, I that have an issue with it's, it's the same reasons you get sex addicts. Mm. It's the same reasons. It's all about your the the, the chemicals released in your brain mm. during a certain activity, mm. whether that be coitus. Mm. Or whether that be fucking a line of coke, uh, a line of coke, or or yeah. likes on your Instagram pages, it does exactly yeah. the same thing to your brain. Yeah, and your brain is dumb when it comes to that. It's a one or a zero. Mm. It's dopamine or it's not. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the guys then, I watch on on YouTube, he does a, a dopamine detox. Yeah. So he, wow. he he literally shuts off his social media. He doesn't have it on his phone. His phone is in a drawer somewhere in his kitchen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because he doesn't want his phone to distract him, even with phone calls. So his phone's on silent. So when he needs to phone, he's got like Uber's number and the few people that he needs to contact. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Think about this. Mm. A few years ago, the common man, mm. just a few years ago, the common man didn't have a device that he could carry around with him, take photos, take mm. measurements, have GPR GPRS directions yeah. and Google shit mm. and like you like you were the knowledge that you had mm. and I mean you I was, never had a computer to walk around with you and assist you in daily life. I mean when I was when I was still a student, um, it was a long time ago. It's more than twenty years ago. Yeah, you're but a buddy. <coughs> email was like That's so. New. Buddy. I'm a buddy. You're a buddy. Yeah, okay. but email was like so new. The internet was like. So new. I mean, they didn't even have search engines at that stage. They had like yeah. very basic search engines. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I mean, who would have thought then that would be where we are now? I mean, now, you know, what what used to take up a whole, like your garage size was this big flipping computer. Yeah. You can now fit in your pocket. I mean, look, I, I grew up in uh, Paul Petersburg in Natal, mm. okay, mm. until I was about eight years old. Mm. So I never grew up in Joburg where there was all this fancy shit was being exposed mm. to us. I mean, we had a computer only when we got to Joburg when I was eight years old that mm. we actually got a computer. Actually, I think we got a computer when I was about 13, okay. actually. And, but I mean, it was only every now and then that my dad would go on it and, and my dad was the only one who pretty much used it. Nobody else used it. So I, I kind of did grow up with technology in a sense, but mm. we also weren't very well off. Mm. We didn't have money to just go and, and spend video games and stuff like that. So mm. to a large extent, we lived our life without all these, you know, Xboxes and, and mm. I, I know Xbox is relatively recent, but PlayStation 1 was out at that time. I mean, we only got, before PlayStation, you have used to have these uh, Nintendo where you plug like a big cassette. Yeah, thing. I think there was a little bit before my time. Yeah, but I mean, what, when what I, year was that when it came? That was when I was growing up. I mean, Jesus. okay, so before that's a that, long time. before that, you used to get a little keyboard and you could actually write. You could buy magazines mm. and you could write the the program for the game onto the thing and you could run it like very basic games. What? Like, like uh, like snake or something. Snake or or what's that? We Pac Man or something like okay, that. Okay, Pac Man. Like really I, basic. I've stuff. never played Pac Man. Like never. You never or, played arcade games. No. Arcade no. games are for those who don't know. You put a coin in and you can play a game. It's got a little joystick and buttons. 
Yeah, I've, I think I've played one of those in my in my life. One, mm. one. Uh, but yeah, it was cool. Mm. It was cool for sure. It was more. I, mean, I don't know, more engaging. I the suppose. the the lander, the space lander, whatever that they used to land on the on on the moon. Oh, Jesus. I think had... Did they even land on the moon? They did land. <laughs> I don't want to be like, what's his name? Yeah, Eddie Bravo. Eddie Bravo. I really, I really loved watching that mm. argument going on because it's just like he just dismissed everything Joe was saying. Mm. But they have landed on the moon. So whether, they, whether Neil sure. Armstrong was the first man to walk on the moon, we don't really know. But they've got samples of the rocks. There are actual reflectors on the moon yeah. that they... They shoot with a laser to measure the distance from the Earth to the Moon. Yeah, but Eddie Bravo is crazy though. He doesn't accept any of that. Well, Eddie Bravo is he, a wackhead. He he doesn't think that they landed on the Moon. He he, well, look, I don't want to misquote him. I don't think he he uh, believes that they landed on the Moon. He mm. he believes, I think, that the Earth is flat as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but it was just so entertaining to watch Joe get so frustrated with him. <laughs> yeah. And like, what about? What about? Yeah. What aboutism? What aboutism? Yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's some crazy he's stuff. In, he's intense, though. But I don't know how we got here. We were talking about. Uh, sorry, you were talking about something. I can't remember. I'm sorry, dude. I totally interrupted you there. No, uh, you were you you were saying you were saying uh, the moon something about the moon. Oh, the the the, spa- the 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 moon the lunar lander. Yeah, that's what she um, was saying. I think it had something like eight bytes of memory on it. The computer that they used to to, to land the thing had eight bytes of memory. What? That's nothing. It's like nothing. Now we've got phones that are like 120, I think 124 gigabytes. 128 gigabytes. Mine's a 124, I think. No, it'll be 128. No, no. Because it goes 16, 16, 32, 64, 128. I always thought mine was 124. No, it's because you don't, you're not educated. I am bizarre. No. Because why? Because, no, it's 128. Because okay. the the way the system works is... But mine's Apple, eh? Does yeah, it work the same? It works the same because it, it goes 1. 1 times 2 is 2. 2 times 2 is 4. Mm. 4 times yeah, 2 is yeah. 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 8 times 2 is 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16 times 2 is 32. Yeah. 32 times 2 is 64. Yeah. 64 times 2 is 128. Yeah. Times 2 is... Uh, 256. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 512. Yeah, dude, okay. You, you, it doesn't, you're killing me. I could tell you how to work out the speed of light, the, the light, uh, a light year. Yeah. I could tell you how to do that, but Jeep is like, that, it, that progression, it's like trying to remember the Fibonacci sequence. It's like yeah. 1 plus 1 equals 2, 1 plus 2 equals 3, 3 plus 2 equals 5, and so on and so on and yeah. so on. And it's like... <laughs> Are you going to mention pi now? <laughs> it's infinite. My, my God. Yeah, math, math has never been my strong point. But I'm, I'm not as smart as I, as mm. I look. Um, but, yeah. 
I, I try to learn as much as I can. But the, the reason that the, the bytes are, or the megabytes or the gigabytes are in like that, because the way a binary system works is you have one channel, which is one or zero. Yeah. Then you have two channels, which is two. You can have, with two channels, you can have four different answers. Okay. Uh, you can have two noughts, a one and a naught, two ones, a naught and a one. So it, that's the way it works in, in, um, yeah, in powers, power, to the power of two, or, or powers of two. So. Which is binary. Huh? Yeah, that's binary. Yeah. And that's how the, like one gigabyte is actually 1,054. No, one. Say that again. One gigabyte yes. is not a thousand megabytes. No, it's a little bit. It's a thousand and twenty-four. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's a thousand and twenty-four. Yeah, thousand twenty-four. Because it's five hundred and twelve, and then mm. then it, so it, it's it's yeah. not an on a on a decimal system like we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody thinks that a terabyte mm. is uh, a thousand gigabytes. It's I think it progressively is a little bit more. It's, it's, it's like a thousand and twenty-four. Like a thousand and twenty-four. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we it, it's like the metric system and the imperial system. Um, we we grew up with a metric system yeah. because it makes sense. You divide every, everything by ten or by a hundred or a thousand or whatever, which makes sense mathematically. Mm. But I've noticed now uh, with doing more blacksmithing and forging that imperial system is actually better for that because if you look at it, you have an inch, mm. then you have half an inch, yeah, and then half of an half an inch is a quarter. So then you yeah. can have a quarter, a half, yeah. three quarters. Now you halve it again. Yeah. That's the way. That, that's yeah, how these. Yeah, you're a thousands of an inch and all that. Not a thousandth. That's because you have metric ways of measuring it. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. So you have two two thirty seconds. Yeah. Or, sorry, one thirty second. Okay. But it just makes sense. Yeah, I don't know much about that. But to, it, to me, it, it actually when you're working with stuff. Yeah. You need to make it half that size. Yeah. So half of Half of 25.4 millimeters is 12.7. Sure. But it's half an inch. Yes. So it makes, yeah. practically when you're working with things, it, it makes things a little bit easier when you're forging. But when you come to precision stuff, then it's yeah, then, then it's, it's easier to work in, in, in uh, metric systems. In metric, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear these guys in America talking about these measurements. And I'm like, uh, what the fuck? I know what an inch is, but... When they start to get to the really, really fine mm. uh, measurements, I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But it, 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 it depends how you were brought up as well. I mean, my dad, when he when he was at school, they used to have slide rules. They didn't have calculators. Mm. So you had these slide rules that you could do calculations on. By sliding them, you could do different. Yeah. You could do logarithmic scales. You could do multiplication. Mm. He used to call it a guessing stick. So you slide it until yes. you and you guess an answer. <laughs> <laughs> guessing stick. It's like a vernier. Oh fuck! It's similar yeah. to a vernier. A yeah. vernier gives you a breakdown. Sure. I get you. Yeah. And then you have a micrometer. I still had to learn how to use a vernier when I got one. Mm. I was like, how the fuck does this thing work? It's easy. Then, yeah, it's easy now. But before, I was like, ah, uh, no, okay. Yeah, I'd never used a vernier. Mm. Never used one, mm. and I was like. This looks like a very valuable tool to have. Mm. And and my dad was like, hey, we'll use mine. And I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't know you had one. Mm. And um, 
so yeah, so I started using that, and it's incredible when you when you learn how to use it. Mm. But um, yeah, before I just was like, uh, I don't know, mm. I don't know, don't know how to measure it. And I mean, now with, with digital verniers, mm. uh, the guys who learn the digital verniers, they can't actually use a, an old school vernier. I think it's important. Jack uses both. Mm. Jack uses both when he wants quick measurements. He uses his uh, digital. his digital. Uh, when he's a little bit more slow about things mm. or not wanting to be as accurate. Mm. And I'm not saying you can't be accurate, but like he just sort of, <clears throat> sort of wings it a little bit. But you can get a, you can get a very quick reading with a, with a old school vernier. Mm. You can get a, a gut feel, like you can see it's between 2.6 and 2.7. I think when you're good, you can get a gut feel. Uh, I'm not there yet. And Jack says to me, bring me the size drill, and I'm like, oh, fuck. How am I going to tell that just by looking at it? Because it's not it's not always in the drill thing that you can see, yeah. okay, this is a 3 mil drill, or this mm. is a 2 mil. So you've got to get used to using your eyes in a very accurate way mm. to determine things, sizes of bolts, sizes of, of drills, mm. sizes of fucking Allen keys and spanners and like all of that shit. Mm. And yes, your spanners have the sizes on them, but you, sometimes you need to identify the size of the nut. Yeah. Right? And shifting span is like always a love-hate relationship. Like yeah. they're Some useful for- nut fucker. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> that thing. Like I actually found some decent ones the other day that didn't wiggle around so much. Mm. When you set them, they actually fucking stayed, which was incredible. And they're Baco. It's okay. a Swedish brand. Yeah, and they'll be good. Baco. So uh, Baco make- very, very nice saws as well, folding saws. But you know, another company that makes beautiful, beautiful outdoor saws is Silky. Silky? Silky is a Japanese company. Okay. I've heard of a Silky saw. Dude, Silky saws are absolutely incredible. They, they're pull saws. Okay, yeah. But they are 10 times faster than the sort of Swedish saws. Mm. And, and, and I mean, the Swedish saws are good. I'm not saying that they're not good, but like the Baco is incredible. I've got mm. one. Uh, we used it on the camping trip. Okay, yeah. Brilliant saw. But because uh, it's but a- then you got, then you've also got saws like, um, like a Nordic pocket saw, mm. which are incredible saws. And you mm. get an incredibly long saw mm. that cuts in both directions mm. that is extremely efficient. I mean, that whole side of that tree that was cut mm. off, the guys came here. They had a pruning saw, and I said, "Fuck that! Mm. We're getting this motherfucker out." Mm. And I took out the 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 um, Nordic pocket saw, and they cut down that whole half of that tree in about half an hour. Mm. It's, it's because a, we couldn't get the truck in. Yeah, because so it's basically to, a, a, we don't know what a, a Nordic pocket saw is. It's basically like a chainsaw blade with two handles on it. Yeah, but it's made to cut in both directions. Yes. So you wrap it around, and you just by sliding like that, it just it destroys trees. It, it, they're incredible saws. I've mm. used them in the past. Um, they were actually bringing them into the country at one point, and I was mm. associated with the company that was mm. was being the the dealer for them. Mm. But he's a cunt, so I'm not going <laughs> to get involved with him anymore. He yeah. spread a lot of lies about me to mm. to Morik Neve, mm. and. Um, that wasn't the reason that the, the relationship ended. The, re- mm. the reason was that there's just not enough of a market in South Africa for bushcrafting products that Morik Neve provides. So they can't justify having an ambassador here. Yeah. But he spread a lot of lies about me and I don't, I don't really care. Um, 
but I mean, I've got a great relationship with the guys from Mora. I still talk to them. Mm. Um, but yeah, there, there've been some big changes in the company as well. Mm. Uh, as of, I think it was last year mm. that I got the email and, um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. Great company, great for starting out in mm. bushcrafting, great affordable knives and, um, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a it's, good it's a production knife, but they they good quality. Production. Been around for 127 years. I know because uh, one of my friends from school, he sent me a knife that was his grandfather's. That was a Moira, Mora, a Mora, Mora Kneeve, Mora Kneeve, yeah. And it was, I mean, it was his grandfather's that he bought in Argentina or something. Wow, but it was a. I think it had a stacked leather handle with brass and a hidden tang, but it was just, I had to fix up, it had a scandy grind on it, mm. um, but I had to fix up the, the bevels because it was sharpened with one of you know, those those roller things that fuck up your blades. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it did fuck it up. So I reconditioned it for him, I polished up the brass and things, but that he wanted it as a, as a it was his grandfather's knife. Yeah. And I mean... He's my age, so that's, what's it, 40, how old am I now? I'm 45 this year. Jeepers. Yeah. Okay. So, if he's 45, it was his grandfather, his grandfather would probably be around about 90 now. Jeepers. If he was, was alive. And that's probably something he bought when he was in his 20s or 30s. Yeah. So, it's like 70, 80 years old. Yeah. They've been going for, look, there's, mm. there's knife companies that have been going for a lot longer than that. Mm. Axe companies that have been going for a lot mm. longer than that. But they've been around since 1891, to be precise. Mm. So, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's about 127 years. No, that's, it's now 129 years. Because we're 2020. 20. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, I've lost touch with how much time has actually passed. Mm. So anyway, I the reason I say that is because it wasn't too long ago that I received the 125 year anniversary knife mm. uh, from Morik Neve. I've actually mm. got um, I actually got that when I became an ambassador. They mm. they gave me one of the limited range. Okay, cool. Which was very cool. I've still got that. Yeah. But um, are you sure you still got it? Yes. It's not bloody in my car when I leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. You're wearing my makeup. <laughs> no, so, <clears throat> so what I'm trying to say is these, like for the guys who are interested in bushcraft, there is a lot of good products out there. You don't have to be limited to the lasher shit that mm. you find at the hardware store. Mm. Don't buy an axe that is sub-level. Mm. Like, like, if you intend on just chopping up some shit every now and then, you're mm. not going to use it in bushcrafting, you're not into mm. bushcrafting, you don't care about it, there's nothing wrong with the Lasher Axe. Like, mm. yeah, sure. But yeah. I would rather go with a Grand Swiss Brooks or Council Tool. Uh, SA Weatherlings makes a very, very good axe. Uh, even the Herskavana axes are very good. Mm. Also, very, very good axes. Um, buy one, cry once. Buy once, cry once. That mm. that's the thing. And if you look after it, mm. and oh man, it's just a beautiful process to look after a tool mm. and keep it pristine and keep its edge keen. And and I it's, mean, it's, seen it's it gratifying as fuck with all the stuff that you you got from your grandfather, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this stuff was well looked after. Everything's in like a in an oily rag, uh, or it's 
packed away nicely. Hope it wasn't boiled linseed oil. That's a fucking. <laughs> How did this fire start? Here's an oily rack. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would have been from just judging the way your, your grandfather looked after his stuff, it would have been the right of being a lanolin based uh, oil. Yeah. Uh, but it's all. He's, he was extremely methodical about everything. Every toolbox that I've come across so far is numbered. The lock is numbered to a, a certain key now, which, mm. which, some of which we weren't able to find. Okay. Mm. So some of them we were able to find, but my granddad started losing his mind and uh, he was still stuffing around in the workshop and obviously not knowing what he's doing. Mm. You know, unfortunately, he, he he lost connection with where, where connections were supposed mm. to go, you know, and mm. he couldn't put a plug back together again. And and like he was he was ninety three yeah. when he died. Good. And he, it's it's a long time, but he was suffering for a long time as well, which is mm. quite sad. But I'm glad he's he's not suffering anymore. Is what mm. I'm trying to say. But anyway, he was a very methodical man, and I'm honoured that I can uh, use this machinery to honour him in a way. Yeah, and that's and that's the way I'm taking it. I, the, the, mm. Yes, yes, it's a negative. He's passed mm. away. It's fuck all I can do about that. What I can do is honour his memory. And I mean, we're all going to die one day. You know, that's the thing that that they were speaking about the other day. Mm. You know whose podcast this was. Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan. Shout out to Joe Rogan. Yeah. We talk about him all the time, but like I love, I, I, I could listen to that guy debate shit all day. Yeah, because he debates with an open mind. So with, a, with an open mind, but also calls you out in bullshit. Yeah. Which I like. Like, mm. he's got no qualms about calling you out about statements that you make that are, are inaccurate. And he's mm. also very informed. Mm. He's very informed. Um, and when he's not, he, he doesn't talk out of his ass. Mm. He's just like, I don't know. Yeah, that's why he's got Jamie. So yeah. whatever he says, Jamie, just check that. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes Jamie proves he, proves him wrong. Yeah. And he's okay with that. And they, mm. and they and as he says, they laugh about it and they move on. Yeah, but, because I mean, the point, I, th- I think what Joe enjoys doing is having these deep discussions and yeah, for sure. not tailing it to a narrative, mm. if that makes sense. So tailoring it to... To, to get a greater understanding. I've, I've never seen Joe outwardly say that religion is wrong, mm. but I think that he believes that it is myths mm. based on something that did happen. Mm. Uh, I think that's the way he looks at it, that these stories mm. do have merit and that something happened for sure, mm. but he thinks it's been somewhat misinterpreted and he doesn't think that it's necessarily right for him. Yeah, I think also he came from a Catholic upbringing and he's, he's very against the Catholic Church for very good reasons because it's a pedophile cult. Wow, that's a hectic statement. But it's, I mean, they've, it's been proven that, you know, they, ha- they have an issue with their priests, some of their priests. This is yeah. maybe a small portion of it, but because they're so big, the numbers, and they just, they, they protect them and they, they just move them to different parish. Yeah, look, I think I think the way to look at it mm. is that no matter what religion you're looking at, there's going to be negativity in itself. There's going to be bad apples in every cart. In every cart. So, yeah. like, you can't you can't particularly say mm. that one religion is bad because mm. there are circumstances where where 
bad people are put into positions of power. Of power. And I don't think that that's necessarily right. There are very good Catholics. There are mm. very bad Catholics, just like there are very good JWs and there mm. are very bad JWs. Yeah. I was one of them. And that's why I was tired of being a hypocrite and I left. Well, mm. I was actually kicked out, but I'm okay with that because it was, it was my decision. Everybody's got a decision to make. Yeah. And whether you want to be religious or not is your, your opinion and your, mm. You're entitled to that, but don't make it other people's problem that you don't believe in religion or that you do believe in religion. Mm. Like, I, I enjoy talking about things, even though I believe a certain pattern in my brain. Mm. This is the way I accept the world. This yeah. is, this is what I genuinely believe, but I mm. do enjoy potentially opening up the discussion to other possibilities. It's interesting. Yeah. Even though I have a preference to what I believe, mm. I still listen to it because mm. it makes me think and, and I enjoy gives, debating things. It, it gives you a different perspective oh. and maybe it will change the way you believe or it maybe won't change it completely, but it will give you a, a better understanding of, of how, why a person behaves a certain way. Yeah. So as I say, I mean, so many people are tending towards this they, they want to make it about something particular yeah you know they want to make it about religion or they or they don't want to make it about religion mm. or they want to make it about black people or they want to make it about white people mm. um and and this is the thing and, and i've been guilty of it as well like you you're telling somebody a story about somebody who was an asshole to you mm. and you sort of separate the fact that that person is a person, mm. you categorize them by their race. Mm. And that all of a sudden makes, ah, oh, that's understandable because it's that race. Mm. And that's bullshit. Mm. Because it's such bullshit because you are now, essentially, you are being racist. And mm. I know this is a very controversial topic and, and mm. not a lot of people are going to like what I have to say about this. But mm. this is the entire problem with cultures that we want to see it from our perspective and fuck you guys because you're inferior or whatever you're it different. is that you're you're different and it's it's not about that it's not fucking about that it is about people and mm. some people don't get on with other people some people are assholes it's not about a race it's not about anything to do do mm. with that but if that's the thought process that you're going to continue pursuing mm. you're going to find reason to hate that race mm. so it's on you and ultimately it's on you mm. and yes there are very bad things that happen to one one particular race over another because of their particular race, mm. both, both black and white. Mm. So I understand that. But at the same time, you can't make it more of a problem than it already is, or you shouldn't make it more of a mm. problem. I think there's, there's too much of trying to fit people into boxes. Mm. Um, and I think the mentality we're getting to now is that you're either for us or you're against us. And it's it's not about being for or against. You know? I think everybody is unique. I mean, we've got a unique D DNA structure. Um, we've got a unique consciousness. Um, so we won't always fit into every different type of box. Yeah. I mean, it's like what's happening to, to the left is, is they're going more and more and more far to the left and where it used to be if you were gay you were fine now if you're gay 
but you don't like transsexuals or it doesn't suit your preference, then then you then you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's just trying to I don't know. It's just being stupid, in my opinion. I mean, everybody's You've, entitled to do what they want, provided you don't harm anybody else. If you if you're not hurting anybody, like mm. me smoking weed doesn't hurt anybody. Mm. And if I hurt myself in the process of smoking weed, well, that's me. Mm. You know, if I'm fucking working on the lathe while I'm high as fuck, not a great idea. Mm. Uh, and if I hurt myself in that process, it doesn't mean weed's dangerous. It means your decisions while you're on weed are dangerous. Yeah. So same with don't, alcohol. Don't be stupid. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's the same thing with alcohol. So mm. here's the here's the thing, right? Everybody wants to, as you said, they want to put everybody in a box. Mm. And okay, so this is how Afrikaans people are, and this is how black people are, and this is how English people are, and this is how German people are, and this is how French and all these different nations. And, mm. and, and we want to say that Italians are assholes, and we want to say that black people are not kind to white people. And they, they and sure, there's been racial tension throughout mm. the history of many countries, mm. and there's been big problems. And mm. I'm not ignoring that. And I'm not saying we should, we should not we should not accept that, but we need to move forward with this. We can't mm. just keep thinking that one race is superior to another mm. and that we don't need to treat them with any sort of respect or uh, that they're beneath us or anything like that. That's such bullshit. Mm. And I can't believe that for modern mankind that that is still a problem. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I don't, I don't want to come across... Um, self-righteous or anything here but i'm just saying like i believe it is such a problem that people are missing entirely but i mean like uh english and afrikaans when you speak to afrikaans person they're speaking in english you need to remember that it's their second language exactly so they may if they mispronounce something and they may sound dumb but it's because he's speaking he's thinking in one language and he's trying to speak in another language to help you understand. Yeah, look, there's mm. there's languages that that sound good when they're trying to speak English. Like if you mm. hear a French woman mm. trying to speak English, it's cute because mm. it's like, oh, shame. She can't pronounce this word properly, but that's mm. cute because she's French. But she puts you know? the joie de vie. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be nasty to anybody, but I'm yeah. just saying like, when certain cultures try to speak a language that is not their own, understandably, it's not their mother tongue, like, why would they sound cool to you or mm. sound like they're in the right tone? Like, mm. my sister-in-law is always, it always sounds like she's asking a question. It's like, Norwegian accent and everything's a question. And you're like, oh, wow. Mm. Wow, this sounds weird. Like, mm. it, it doesn't sound dumb or annoying, yeah. or but it's just the and down of the tone and everything is talking like this and you know everything <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dude i was like when i first met her i was like oh wow this is full-on viking right yeah. yeah like built built well and strong mm. as well hectic mm. sure almost looks native american though in mm -hmm. a way it's got very uh very sort of uh Native American looks. Crazy. But you're trying to fit into a box again. 
that is so true and i feel mm. like shit now yeah. but th- this is the thing this mm. is the thing it's we all guilty of it and i know and i think i think it's part it, of our brain trying to put something into a box so we can understand it yeah it's not always vindictive for mm. sure it's just like like i have no racial problems with black people mm. or indian people or colored people i have no problems literally mm. no problems with them i'm i'm pro- i have problems with people of those races and white people mm. that are assholes mm. you get assholes in every nationality around the world what am i doing i don't know hold on. I, ne- i need i need another blunt hold on so so this is the thing It's like mm. just because I may lose my shit with a black guy doesn't mean that it's oh because he's a black guy. Mm. No, fuck that. Maybe he was an asshole to me. You get black guys who are assholes, you get white guys who are assholes, you mm. get Indian guys who are assholes. It's just people who are assholes. That's all it is. And uh but it's so deeply ingrained in us mm. to because it's not our people or mm. you know this is this is something Strange that danger. Yeah, it's weird. And this is something that um, uh, I think it was one of Joe's guests was talking about. Like he said, if you met the Indians mm-hmm. and you uh, and they liked you, mm-hmm. he said. So the Na- Native Americans, he said. Now I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. true all of this is. It sounds relatively true. He says one of two things happened. Either they liked you. Mm-hmm. and you could become part of the tribe mm-hmm. and they would adopt you as somebody that they had lost or mm-hmm. or and and when and when he said when they adopt you that is truly the case they they embrace you as mm-hmm. one of their own mm-hmm. and he said but if they don't like you they will put you to death Mm. they will torture you and put you to death that mm. look i'm not i'm not sure about the whole flipping uh how the mm. apaches and and the and the blackfeet and all of these tribes were uh, mm. i don't know much about that i believe some of them could i believe some of them could be extremely cruel in their torture but i think that was largely to to how their tr- people had been treated in a very mm. cruel fashion so yeah what was my point boxes i don't know yeah oh, what i was saying there is that um is that they looked past the race he was saying that it didn't matter what race you were mm. if if they liked you and mm. if they accepted you and adopted you as part of their tribe and their family and so mm. on you would become part of their society mm. genuinely part of their society not not some outsider mm. they didn't see the color of your skin and i think that's the problem a lot of the time You like you see a black guy or an Indian guy coming up with you, and I've had bad experiences with both in the past, but I've mm. had bad experiences with white guys in the past. Mm. Three of them mm. robbed me, and the fourth guy was an Indian. <laughs> no black guys involved. So why mm. why does there always have to be this thing? Yes, there are bad people in mm. general, yeah. and some of them happen to be black, and some some of them happen to be white and Indian and coloured and mm. all these sorts of things. Yes, mm. you get rough rough cultures out there mm. but you can't develop a hatred based on mm. on a couple of experiences that have happened so you can't ignore the fact that there are good black mm. people good white people mm. you have to have a balanced view of the whole subject mm. and if you're not willing to do that then 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 it's too late for you yeah i'm sorry 
Yeah. It's a very controversial subject, and I know a lot of people are not going to agree with me, mm. and that's fine because opinions are like assholes. And everybody's mm. got one. Mm. But that's the way I see it. Mm. And it's the only way I see this country moving forward. Yeah. Because we can't, we can't change the past. Can't change the past. What we did was bullshit. Yeah. But at the same time, we can't keep living in the past. We need to live in the present and decide how we want to build the future together. That's the thing. Because I can't be held accountable for what my forefathers did. Mm. And no person today that, look, it's arguable. Mm. There are people still around that were involved Mm. in that shit. But you, you should, we should move forward and try and look past these things and not find excuses for bad behavior. Mm. We all are guilty of, of, uh, look, and I think mm. there are people who genuinely try not to be racial. Mm. And I think that is extremely, extremely mm. valuable mm. in society. Because if you can feel that somebody's looking down at you and saying, mm. you piece of shit. Mm. Like you can feel that negativity coming mm. your way and it's not a good feeling. No. And then it makes a person who may not have been racial or is trying to get over racial issues mm. more racial because they're like, ah, another fucking white person mm. or another fucking black person or whatever mm. it is. Like, I don't want to get too hectic about this conversation, mm. but I just think people need to think a little bit smarter mm. about how they approach things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a matter of, what you can change and what you can't change. It's like I used to get uh, aggressive. I was very aggressive on the road. You know, I wouldn't let people cut me off, things like that. <laughs> yeah. Now I joke about it. But, <clears throat> um, you know, like in South Africa, we've got these uh, taxis, these minibus taxis. Mm. And they, they genuinely drive like assholes, to be blunt. But what you need to understand is that person is is trying to make a living he may not be doing it on the, on in the right way you're going down a deep rabbit hole now i just i just hear so but, many people telling you you fucking that's bullshit <laughs> but why does it help you push your blood pressure up and get an yeah, aneurysm it doesn't, because doesn't do anything you have to accept the fact that he's going to drive like an asshole nothing you can do about it nothing that. you can do about it no um, I agree. You have to pick your battles mm, for sure. Not every battle is worth fighting. Not every battle is worth a squeeze. It's not. Mm. It's, uh, a squeeze is not worth the juice. You know, just mm. just leave it alone. You know, mm. if it's gonna put you in a frame of mind that you like, fuck the world. Mm. I'm in a fucking mood now. And yes, road rage is a real thing, and frustration is a real thing, and I get mm. that. And people got hectic meetings to get to. They got hectic mm. schedules and shit. Mm. I get that. But what is outside of your control, mm. there is no point in worrying about. Mm. If you're going to get there late, get there late and safe. How about that? Mm. To finish, in order to finish first, first you must finish. Mm. And you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And that's, mm. the, that's, the act, that's the act of life. But throughout those bad days, you still have to exercise a positive attitude. Mm. And that's what I think a lot of people, and I, look, I'm a, I'm a young fuck, so I mean, what do I know? This arrogance is the arrogance of youth. Of youth. <laughs> but in my opinion, and I'm just sharing my opinion here, I think that a lot of people go to that dark place when things are going shit. Mm. And yes, some people just can't help it. They've got depression, man. That's mm. a real thing. 
But I'm saying for people who, and we've spoken about this before, mm. people say, oh, I'm depressed. Okay, are you actually depressed? Because then I want to know if you're getting help. Mm. Second of all, if you're not depressed, fuck you, because now you're using a term and taking away the seriousness of it. Mm. You know, if you are actually depressed, then yeah, sure, share your problems, share, mm. try and look for help, for sure. But there's a difference between depression and sadness. Yeah. You, don't, you don't want to say that you're on that person's level or you understand them to mm. some degree just just because you're feeling a little down. I know? mean, I, I suffer from depression and I mean, I've met, I've been hospitalized twice. Oh. And what's great about being in hospital is you meet interesting people who yeah. some are more fucked up than you and some are less. But, you know, depression in me may not be the same as depression in someone else. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult thing. And I mean, I go in some, into some dark places, but it's, I think the the problem is recognizing the warning signs. Mm. Um, For sure. And I mean, I know if I start going into my dark places and I put on certain playlists, then it just goes worse. So yeah, that is for sure. And and that's often the problem. People listen to music that encourage that kind of feeling. And and it's it's a it's a it's a death spiral. Mm. I mean, once you start down that, to get out of that spiral is difficult. Yeah. Um, it's almost like once you you start at the top, you start out slow, and then you yeah. start going down the rabbit hole. And it goes faster. And, and faster. it goes faster and faster toward the center of it all, and that's where all the shitstorm happens. And I mean, what, what, what I'm lucky with is I've got a family that recognizes it, and they understand it. And my daughter, especially my daughter and my wife to a certain extent, my daughter will come to me and say, hey, stop fucking hiding away here in your garage and come be so stopping so fucking grumpy. Yeah. She'll put it out straight a shovel is yeah. a fucking shovel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's what's unique about my situation. I have a support structure that helps. Support structure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is the thing for me is that mm. I I have an outsider's perspective on depression mm. because I grew up with my dad having depression mm. and committing well, trying to commit suicide twice mm. and uh first time he tried to hang himself i wasn't even born yet mm. but uh, the second time he he od'd okay. and he locked himself in his room and my older brother got the door open somehow and uh and we found him there on the bed totally ko that's scary and my mom was at work my dad mm. lost his job but he mm. couldn't find work he was he, he had depression mm. and uh and he just went to this dark place where he just didn't see another possible solution and, and that's 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 a very scary mindset and I mean, because you always wonder about that person um the thing is it's it's like what that other uh retired navy seal uh, andy stump said he says he's not worried about the people who have ptsd or depression and don't say hey i need help He's worried about the ones that say no, everything's fine, because those are the guys that end up. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of people who make as though it's fine, but it's not actually fine. Yeah. And I think my dad is is one of those people. Unfortunately, yeah. he's he's he never expresses mm. emotion. Yeah. And it's a difficult thing for him to to do. Yeah. Um, because he just wasn't brought up like that, and he mm. and he's he's just a different kind of person. He's, he he expresses emotion in different ways, but it's mm. you've got to interpret those ways. Mm. And um and that's all relates back to a book that I think is, is called Language of Love, the Language of Love, Love languages, something like that. Yeah, mm. 
anyway, I can't remember who wrote the book, so I can't even give him credit for it. But you know, some people do acts of service where they'll do things for yeah, you. Yeah, it's the love language. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you've got to interpret. Uh, but uh, what I'm talking about is is depression. Actually, so mm. I'm deviate from the thought. So I have an outsider's perspective on it. I've I've seen the ramifications mm. of it, and mm. and and that it can tear families apart. And mm. that, that's not what it hap- what happened to us. But I also know other people who've had depression where their families have just been torn apart. Mm. And it's and it's very, very destructive mm. if help is not acquired. And, well, and and for some people, help just can't be acquired. There's the thing something's is... Something's wrong that... And, but the problem is, is it may not be... It's like uh, we had an analogy done when we were in hospital um, when they talk about the system. Uh, the system. Yeah, the Simpsons. So in the Simpsons, Bart is the identified patient. Okay. But the whole system's corrupt. Homer's an alcoholic. Maggie, the wife, only cares about the little baby. Lisa's an overachiever mm. to get attention. Mm. And Bart's a rebel to get an attention. Mm. So it doesn't help just treating Bart. Mm. You need to treat the whole system. The whole story of The Simpsons mm-hmm. reminds me, just talking about it now, reminds me of um, family members of ours. Yeah. And and the dynamics there are exactly the same. Like yeah. there's there's a brother and 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 the and a sister. Yeah. And their parents are very much the same way. Yeah. And everything like Oh man, and they're my cousins. They're my second cousins, but they just growing up with them. It was super fun. We're not in contact anymore. There were some some issues and things, but anyway, very much <laughs> the same sort of situation. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a uh, the oh. thing is, um, you can't just treat the patient. You have to treat the 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 system as well. Yeah, true, and and this is the thing in the in the in the current system that we're living in. In terms of society and how yeah. that works right now, uh, there's not this freedom to mm. experiment with things like mind-altering drugs or yeah. uh, tripping on things that could potentially grow you as a person, mm. make you a better person. Mm. And there were actually uh, there were actually studies to prove mm. that accidents. Since the legalization in this one state, I think it was, the study was done. Since the legalization of uh, uh, marijuana, marijuana mm. that there was a decrease, like I think it was 9 to 11% in, in mm. one of the studies. I, I can't remember the exact figures. But there was a significant difference in the amount of drunken driving casualties. Mm. That it had lowered the, the drunken driving uh casualties mm. per- perhaps i mean it's debatable mm-hmm. but they studied it from since the legalization yeah for a year i think it was yeah, and i i still think alcohol's for for worse for you than than cannabis this is something I, I think i spoke to you about the other day and or, or it was jack but i mean when lockdown happened it was shit it was bullshit man there was so there was there were so many people who were affected in a negative way mm. um, 
buy it, not only business-wise, family-wise, mm. and, 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 and deaths as well, a lot of deaths, whether they be suicide from losing companies mm. or dying from corona. But it was a crazy time. But the thing is, what I, what I want to know, or, or I want to know your perspective on this, because a lot of the things that were taken away were coping mechanisms. Mm. Alcohol. Cigarettes. Cigarettes. Uh, what socialization. Else? Socialization, yes. Visiting your family. I mean, bribes. Fucking, you know, that's something that South Africans do. That's part of our culture. We bribe yeah. all the time. Mm. And it's incredible. It's a lovely experience. Mm. Um, and it's not a barbecue, guys. Barbecue is very fucking different. A barbecue is a chip flavor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we get bribe flavor here in South yeah. Africa. Yeah. But anyway, so all those coping mechanisms making mechanisms wow excuse me english mechanisms were taken away mm. how many people do you think realized that they had a very 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 big problem when alcohol was taken away from them a lot that weren't prepared for it yeah and even those who were prepared for it they ran out eventually yeah it was a fucking war yeah it was crazy but i mean i can i can agree with certain parts of the lockdown but some of it was just completely out of proportion. But we're not going to talk about that shit. That's no, no, no. But what I'm trying to say here ultimately is you can take positivity out of every situation that you dealt with in life. It's just mm. dependence on how you look at things. Mm. And if you continually going down the rabbit hole of this is bullshit, mm. this is negative as fuck, mm. if you can just step back and say, all right, it's bullshit that it's happening, mm. but it's happening. There's fuck all I can do about it. What can I learn from this experience? Mm. That is ultimately, if you can't do fuck all about it, do mm. do everything you can to change the situation mm. if it affects you in a negative way. Mm. But if you can't do fuck all about it, try and learn something from it. Mm. And that's the positive that we take out of every bad, negative mm. situation. You have to learn something from it. If you ain't learning, then uh, yeah, you ain't living. Yeah, That's for sure. And I think that's actually a good point to end it because, I mean, we are two hours in. Two hours in and I'm still feeling good to go. Yeah, but uh, I have to get going. Otherwise, our wife's, my wife's going to cancel our play dates. No, but we've been good for a couple of times, so I think you could push it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a good point to end. Yeah, um, yeah. I so think we've you, spoken about a lot. Yeah, we've covered a hell of a lot today. And I think I think what, if you, the one thing you can take out of it is if, if you can't learn out of a situation, you, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Absolutely. So maybe Absolutely. just change your point of view. Yeah. Look at it something differently and see even, what you can learn out of it. Even if it's a point of view induced by weed. Yeah. That's always a good idea. Yeah. Like the but just don't do crack. Yes. Don't do crack. Like yeah. the gym free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining. We will yeah. see you again on the next episode of Open Heart Cast. Check us out on Instagram. And we will see you at the Brooklyn Knife Show. Yeah. So cheers, guys. And uh, be safe. Don't do anything stupid. No dumb here. It's a no dumb area. No dumb area. <laughs> Hashtag Brooklyn Nasha. Right, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearth Cast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearth Cast, and we'll see you again real soon. <laughs>